Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome. Okay, before we even jump into the introduction of this podcast, I need to tell you that I, your host, Michelle Corey, am a massive theater geek. So there are going to be some really geeky moments where I sing, let's say, a song from Cabaret, like I just did. But it's only because I love you and I want to entertain you, and also because it's compulsive and I can't help it. Anyway, that being said, welcome to our first ever episode of the Cultured Podcast. I'm very excited to welcome you. Again, my name is Michelle Corey, and I am going to be your ringmaster here every single week, bringing you some of the most surprising untold stories in culture. And what do I mean by culture? Specifically, in this show, we're going to be talking about everything about art, theater, travel, music, dance, design, and everything in between. So who am I and why did I start this podcast? Well, simply put, I am what I call a culture vulture. To me, there is nothing more beautiful than a human creating because that is an expression of their spirit. That is an expression of their art, of their power, of their soul. And yeah, I mean, I get pretty deep a lot. This is actually how I see the world on a daily basis. And uh, you're going to have a window into that. But I think uh, a lot of you out there are deep thinkers just like me. So this is going to be a riveting journey for all of us. Most importantly, this is a conversation. I uh, want us to keep engaged. So between episodes, I want us to keep that conversation going. So I want you to be telling me what you, what inspires you, which we'll get to in a second and, you know, different ideas you have and, and what this episode made you think about. So I want us to have, keep that conversation going on Facebook at Cultured Podcast, on Twitter at Cultured Pod, on Instagram, Cultured Podcast, and online culturedpodcast.com. And then also you can email me. So info at culturedpodcast.com, because it's really important that we keep this conversation a truckin' even between episodes. So a little bit about me. I am a first generation American. I am half Colombian and half Argentinian, but that's not really the full story. Just like every story we're going to unearth here on the Cultured Podcast, there is more to me when you dig at the roots. And so when you dig at my roots, you also find a Syrian grandpa, a Guatemalan grandpa, a Colombian grandma, and a Spanish grandma. And that actually has given me an interesting perspective on the world around me. I feel like a true citizen of the world. So the way that I approach global culture is with an insatiable curiosity, openness, and acceptance. Um, I find all cultures beautiful. I just love learning about the different ways people express themselves, um, whether it's on a cultural level and a societal level uh, or on an individual level or anything in between. I am also a theater geek. I studied theater when I was younger, and that was going to be my chosen path. And I went into specifically musical theater. I studied singing. Um, I read music. And then I slowly moved out of that and into a career as a writer and a publicist, a communicator, and then eventually a journalist. So I was a, a travel editor for a magazine um, and kind of just dabble in a whole lot of stuff. I'm a hyper creative. So this is is uh, my podcast dedication to all the hyper creatives out there, to all the curious souls out there who want to know more about the world around them. 
Every week, we're going to start each episode by talking about what I felt inspired by the week before. And this is going to allow us to open up a conversation about the sometimes minutia that inspires us, that makes us feel stricken by awe. And sometimes it's major stuff that keeps us feeling alive and energized by life. And I want you guys to participate in this conversation. So when I talk about what I've been inspired by, I would love to hear your thoughts about it, but I'd also love to hear through the week what you've been inspired by. And um, I'll be conducting some giveaways and some shout outs on the show to those who actually tell me what they felt inspired by. And I do that for a purpose because I want us to open our eyes to the beauty that surrounds us. And sometimes it's unexpected beauty and beauty that steps outside the boundaries of what we characterize the societies as beautiful because beauty has so many forms. So that's what we're going to explore at the beginning of each show for a few minutes. And then we're going to launch right into the meat of things with whatever the show topic is. Sometimes I'm going to be telling you about some history or some really incredible cultural practice, tradition, or whatever art form or artist. And sometimes I'm going to bring in a really cool personality. I'm going to be having a conversation with them. Sometimes they'll be experts on whatever the topic is for that episode. And sometimes they'll just be really cool people that we can all enjoy and gregarious. Oh, I almost cursed. That's one thing. You need to know that I'm a potty mouth. And sometimes I curse and I try not to, but like right then I almost said gregarious mofos, but like the real full word. And I was keen enough to stop myself. So that's, that's good. I'm going to try to stop myself. Please don't be offended if I curse because sometimes there's just no better word than a cuss word. So I'm really excited because this episode, we're going to be talking about Iceland. And before we do that, I want to tell you what has inspired me this week. This week, I am inspired by chutzpah. And that, of course, is a Yiddish term that derives from a Hebrew word beating insolence or cheek. And it's just a great word, man. It is like, it's like audacity. It's like courage and having the balls to forge ahead, having the ovaries. That was a very gendered term. (laughs) Having the courage, the gall, the nerve to forge ahead. And this is something that I have been putting in full practice in the past month or two of my life. I quit my full-time job as a magazine editor. I went out on my own with little to no cushion or parachute. And I have just been, you know, diving off the cliff, hoping that parachute will open and kind of stitching it while I'm falling. And it takes a tremendous amount of guts to do that. It takes a tremendous amount of faith in yourself, of faith in a greater power beyond you, if that's what you believe in, um, to just launch yourself off that cliff and feel like I'm going to make it. I'm going to be okay, even if I get bumps and bruises along the way. And in the same sense, you know, this podcast is all, it also takes chutzpah this is the unknown. I've never done anything like this. It just feels right. And I know I have to do it. And so here I am bearing my soul for you, bearing this idea to the world and trusting that it's the right call and that it's something that I was meant to do. So this week, we are dedicating this episode to all those who have chutzpah, who have the courage, the nerve, the gall, the faith to jump out there and do what they were meant to do, 
even if people call them nuts, which often happens to me. So, hey, maybe I am, but it's working out so far. (laughs) All right. So we get to launch into this awesome conversation we're having today about Iceland. Iceland is a fascinating place and it definitely is becoming a trendier tourist destination for people around the world, but especially for U.S. travelers. Um, I actually visited Iceland for the first time with my best friend, Masha. Hi, Mosh. Uh, last September. So September 2016. We launched into the world of fire and ice, and we learned so much about one of the most interesting cultures I've ever encountered in my life. And we traveled throughout the country. We spent a good few days in Reykjavik. (laughs) I like trying to pronounce Icelandic words, but Reykjavik, we spent a few days there. And then we took a few days to tour around the Golden Circle and the Ring Road. And so that we've spent most of our time in Southern Iceland. Um, I'm actually currently getting through the sagas of Icelanders, and that's something else that I wanted to touch on during our episode because I am a literary fiend, and um, I had no idea that the Icelandic sagas, officially called the sagas of the Icelanders, are this really innovative work. They were published in the 13th and 14th centuries, and they talk about sagas from the 9th and 10th centuries of like the actual time when uh, Vikings were moving from Norway into Iceland and settling this new place. And all of these narrative prose style stories about Icelanders during that time are actually groundbreaking. And they're extremely modern. They're, they are very much like 20th century novels. And Iceland is a very tiny country. I mean, it's a small, it's a large landmass, but it's only about 300,000 inhabitants. And back in the day, of course, like I'm talking about the 12th and 13th centuries, it was obviously much, much smaller. So you're talking about these intellectuals who are also warriors um, and heroes in the battlefields being these narrators of Icelandic history and tradition. So right now, you know, I'm reading through these, these sagas and they're so dry and they remind me a lot of my experience in Iceland, actually, because <laughs> so obviously I'm this Latina and I grew up in this culture where everyone kisses each other on the cheek when you walk in and there's all this gabbing and everyone's laughing and dancing and there's a, it's a culture of celebration. And when we got to Iceland, I remember landing, we were exhausted and we go to this coffee shop, Joe's, uh, Joe and the Juice is what it's called. And it's right there on Laugavegar, which is like the main uh, touristy and shopping stretch in Reykjavik. And we go into Joe and the Juice and there's this gorgeous guy at the counter, of course because seriously, Icelanders are gorgeous. And I kind of smirk at him. I'm like, hi, how are you? And I get nothing. It's like flatline. <laughs> I just remember being so thrown off by this. And Masha, of course, who knows me and knows that I've never met a stranger, just started cracking up because she was like, oh God, you're going to make it your mission to make this person your best friend for the entire trip. And I was like, absolutely. And by the way, reporting back at the end of the trip, he smirked at me. So basically I think that's like Icelandic marriage. Um, yeah. So I think I'm married to that guy now. Um, so yeah, I would call that a success. So these sagas are written in very much the same way where there is no fluff. 
there is just straightforward narration. So for instance, I'll, I'll give you a little, a little excerpt. Ulf is said to have been a very clever farmer. He made a habit of getting up early to inspect what his farmhands or craftsmen were doing and to keep an eye on his cattle and cornfields. Sometimes he would talk to people who were in need of his advice, for he was shrewd and always ready to make useful suggestions. But every day towards evening, he would grow so bad-tempered that few people dared even address him. He always went to sleep early in the evening and woke up early in the morning. People claimed he was a shapeshifter, and they called him Kveldulf, Nightwolf. It's all facts, but what's so interesting about these works is that through this very straightforward, somber narration, you actually encounter details that allow you to draw conclusions on your own. As a reader, you actually do get an interesting full picture and an exciting narration of events, even though it's completely fluff-free. So for uh, authors who are very flowery or verbose in their writing, like me, it's a really interesting exercise to read read the sagas because you're reading something ancient that actually set the tone for centuries to come until this present modern day. Props to Icelanders, man. I mean, they are some of the most creative people I've ever met. My best friend and I are both fans of culture, but specifically art. Uh, the number one stop that I recommend for people, and it's kind of a hidden gem, is the Culture House. This is uh, right parallel to Laugavegur. Um, if you're sta- staying right in the center of Reykjavik, it's very, very accessible, and it's going to be very close to you uh, on a street called Hverfiskata. The Culture House is this really beautiful, historic house that was built in uh, like the early 1900s by a Danish architect, Johannes Magdal Nielsen. (laughs) It's probably the most interesting museum I've ever been to because it truly is a house of culture. It covers all the cultural history of Iceland from scholarly works in the library to photographic works, to sculptural works, um, to, uh, you know, Icelandic uh, narration tradition. So the the Icelandic tradition of writing um, and literature, there's this amazing room there that has these scrolls uh, and they're extraordinary and ornate and the handwriting on them is just absolutely spectacular. And it's also presented in a way that just makes you feel reverent from the get because you walk into this room and it's completely dark and then these lights just slowly come up on these scrolls and these texts and it's something really special and all the floors are filled with extraordinary works of art in different forms Um, and the stories that are told surrounding these works of art are a true testament to how exceptional Icelanders are with storytelling. Um, We met this phenomenal young woman who's around my same age there at the culture house. Her name was Hildur and she was just so incredibly intellectual and she knew everything about Icelandic history and everything about the current socio-political climate of Iceland. So while we were there, it was, it was amazing. We spent 30 minutes talking to her about the 
lifestyle of the young Icelander and what it's like to even rent an apartment there and, and how Iceland controls the growth of the city and, and approaches it in a responsible way. Intermixed, of course, with this incredible riveting history, uh, old, old ancient history of Iceland. So it was a really interesting juxtaposition of a conversation. And, um, so that was all at the, the culture house, which again is Verfitskata 15, um, right there in Reykjavik. Um, so there's quite a few museums in Reykjavik that we didn't make it to, but we did make it to the National Museum. We walked there. It's a, it's a long walk, but a nice walk. And it's a great way to see the outskirts of Reykjavik and some of the residential areas out of the center. And I'm very interested in the layouts of museums. And I think that there's so much to be said with how a museum lays out its exhibitions and engages the visitor and engages the visitor's sense of curiosity. So, you know, the way that you station artifacts and technology and interactive displays, all of these things, the way that you station them really dictates how a visitor experiences and interacts with the content and what they walk away feeling about what they just saw. Very few of us go to a museum and remember all the facts. What we do is we walk out of the museum and we remember the feelings. So I remember leaving the National Museum feeling a sense of wonderment, a sense of reverence for the Icelandic people and the the history, the Nordic history. Kudos to the National Museum for just getting it right. Um, there's a whole lot of artifacts. Usually I'm not a huge fan of just artifact after artifact, but the way that these artifacts are displayed and how ancient and modern they are is is incredible and so it's it's kind of interesting like there's this one part of the museum where there's a plexiglass on the floor and under that plexiglass is a, a mummified skeleton and then next to it is that skeleton's horse the skeleton of the horse all of this dug up in the near vicinity of where you're standing and consuming this history. It is spectacular. It is such a cool experience to be thinking about the feet that were on the ground where you're, you're now standing, except, you know, a thousand years ago. I grew up in Florida, and so <laughs> that history is about 200 years old. So when I'm talking about, like, I'm looking at these incredible tools that were forged a thousand years ago where I'm standing. This was just breathtaking to me. It was mind bending, truly. So definitely recommend the National Museum. They have um, the permanent exhibitions that are extremely interesting and go into the his the Nordic history. Um, they have uh, quite a bit of information about the religious history of Iceland and moving into Christianity and what that looked like, which I found extremely interesting because it's one of the few instances of conversion to Christianity that was nonviolent that I've ever seen in history. So that in itself speaks to Icelanders, even to this day, they're so generally balanced and level-headed and intellectual and full of, of what we might consider juxtaposition. And I mentioned juxtaposition before, even in my conversation with Hildur, in the sagas, we see this idea of juxtaposition, this idea that the hero the incredible strong warrior was also the sensitive intellectual poet. 
to them that wasn't juxtaposition that was common. And that is very, very fascinating because we currently live in an extremely gendered society where, um, especially in the United States, men are often told that they shouldn't be sensitive or expressive. The, you know, the, the stronger and more violent the man, the more of a man he is. And that's just not the case, historically speaking. <laughs> so there, if someone ever tells you as a man that you cannot be a sensitive poet and a warrior, you slap them in the face with the sagas of Icelanders and ask them to read a few pages and get back to you. Okay? There. I've equipped you with some knowledge. So, you know, there's quite a bit to see in Reykjavik. Those are the top two museums that I would recommend. I also recommend downloading um, an audio guide to the city. That's what Masha and I did. We downloaded a walking guide. And so we walked together to all these different spots in Reykjavik and heard the history of those spots. And we did that at the absolute beginning of our trip so that it gave us a foundation of history so that we knew what we were looking at and we knew the context of the area. And they're usually really cheap, if not free. So they might be like eight to 10 bucks. And it's just awesome. I always recommend when you get to a city and you've never been there before, give yourself the gift of understanding its history, because then everything you see from that point forward has this extraordinary context and you just understand it on a different level. So we spent some time in Reykjavik, you know, one of our favorite, (laughs) one of our favorite things about, uh, Iceland was the fact that, uh, all coffee shops, when you get coffee, provide free cocoa nibs to sprinkle in your coffee, essentially rendering all of your lattes as, uh, mocha lattes or basically like hot chocolate lattes. And it's amazing. Um, I remember at the end of the trip, Masha became addicted to the cocoa nibs and we went to a coffee shop that didn't have any. And I kid you not, we found one that did and like sneakily 007 mission walked over to the cocoa nibs, poured them in our cups of coffee and like bolted out. And we weren't subtle at all. Like we are not good secret agent spies because I'm pretty sure they saw us and like shook their head and were like, ugh, Americans. But the cocoa nibs weren't so good. We couldn't help it. Especially Masha. She was like jonesing. So that's like a fun fact. We had some really good eats in um, Reykjavik. The thing is, the food is very expensive there. So um, just get ready to spend most of your money there on food. What we ended up doing was picking a few great meals. We ate at this fabulous restaurant called Kol uh, there in Reykjavik. Um, it's a cool view. It's a cool spot, um, but it is pricey. So what we did is we picked a few meals that we were going to eat out, and then we went to the local grocery store, which has the craziest logo I have ever seen in my life. It's like a drunken, cracked out pig. I'm not kidding. I'm going to put it in the show notes because you think I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. And so we would stock up on like more skier, which is Icelandic yogurt, more skier than you could possibly imagine, you know, some ham, cheese, apples, um, and eggs, usual things so that we, we could make ourselves lunch on the road and have breakfast at the house every or at the Airbnb every day. Um, and that really lessens the cost quite a bit. Also, uh, Icelandic hot dogs are very good. 
and they're cheaper. So they're filling, they're cheaper. You can literally stop at a gas station and get a dope ass hot dog. And they're free of nitrates. They're completely all natural, real meat, good for your body, delicious. I, there's a funny story about this, but basically when I first had a hot dog, I'm celiac, so I can't have the bun, but they gave it to me in a cup in a really gross way, but like very ingenious. And when I first had it, I thought like, this isn't a big deal. Like, why does everybody rave about these things? Cause leading up to the trip, everyone was like, you have got to try the hot dogs. Seriously. They're so good. You're going to love the hot dogs. And I was like, really? Icelandic hot dogs? That's what you tell me? No, seriously. Have the hot dogs. They're so good. So I did. We did. And after eating them, I was like, I mean, that's not a big deal. Whatever. It's a hot dog. (sighs) Whatever. But guys, the next day, I was like, I need another hot dog. Masha, I have to have a hot dog. I had five hot dogs in three days after that. So yeah, I'm, I would be a hypocrite if I didn't recommend the hot dogs. <laughs> so get you those hot dogs. They're cheap. Like I said, the gas stations have them. And I only know that because I literally could not, not have a hot dog when we were on our road trip. So we would stop at the gas stations and um, they're really good. Um, so when we actually was set out to explore all of Iceland, we went to Gullfoss, which is this absolutely spectacular waterfall. It's where the gushing force of water from two glaciers combine to create this uh, extraordinary waterfall. And you stand on this platform in the middle of it where, you know, it's there's two steps down and then it, it really falls off a little bit more. So you're standing on this platform and the force of wind and the mist, and it is just this absolute connection with nature and the power of nature um, that is a recurring theme when you're exploring Iceland. Um, we went to Gulfos that day. We also explored um, the orig- the world's first geysir, for which all geysers are named, is Geysir. Um, in Iceland. And so we went and visited Geysir. Geysir itself is actually not very active. And if it does erupt, it's extremely rare. But the one next door is very active. (laughs) You got to stand at a distance from it because it's boiling hot, scalding water. Um, But it is spectacular. And it's really fun to get a photo with and to just appreciate, again, the power of nature. And I think this might be the first place I've ever been where the planet dominates Um, because there's so few people. There's tons of sheep, (laughs) tons of sheep, tons of horses, very few people, and uh, just a lot of natural phenomenon. By the way, Iceland is called the land of fire and ice because there is literally the constant interaction of glaciers and volcanoes and so much so that there's even glaciers sitting on top of volcanoes like in the case of the small southern tip of Iceland called Vik this tiny town where there is north of the town a glacier sitting on top of a volcano and if the volcano erupts this town will be inundated by the glacier so it's really something to wrap your mind around (laughs) 
it's really cool though. And Vic itself is a town that we went to because those, that's the home of, of black sand beaches. And Masha really wanted to see the black sand beaches. And I don't blame her because once we got there, it was unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. It was spectacular. And you know what? The sights as you're driving from landmark to landmark are sites in themselves. I mean, we'd stop the car every so often and photograph what we were looking at because it was just a regular part of the countryside. But to us, it was this magical, incredible, you know, waterfall gushing from the heavens. And one of our favorite stops the whole entire trip was we actually decided to skip the Blue Lagoon. And here is why, before you yell at me, It's because a lot of people don't realize this, but the Blue Lagoon is actually a man-made attraction. And so while it's a stunning place and it's gorgeous, it is not a natural wonder like it's built to be. So we wanted to experience the real natural wonder. There are so many of these, um, these pools, these lagoons that you can bathe in that are natural phenomena because that's what Iceland produces on its own. So we actually went to this little secret one hidden in this little town. I'll give the name in the show notes. I'll make you work for it because it is a hidden gem. <laughs> so if you go to the show notes, you can check out a link to this place. Masha found it. She is a trip planner extraordinaire. And it was probably one of my top three favorite experiences in Iceland. I have never, it was a dream. It felt like we were living a dream. So at the end of this incredible day of hiking and trekking and touring and driving um, throughout the, the countryside of Iceland, we stopped in this little tiny, tiny town at the first natural mineral pool ever found in Iceland. This is the first one. And you can buy a drink, you can buy like wine or cider and take it into the pool with you. And it's hot water, it's mineral water. So you feel a film around your skin and you drink while you're in there. You're surrounded by the natural countryside of Iceland, which is just so spectacular and scenic. And the stars up above you are just covering you and you just feel grateful for the beauty that is around you and for the beauty that you get to experience. Speaking of, I wanted to save the the very best for last. I'm going to wrap it up with the the single most life-changing moment of this journey to Iceland, and that was seeing the northern lights. It was the most magical experience of my life to date. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. So I highly recommend if you can make it to the Northern Lights, it's not a cheap tour, but it is worth every single cent. You will feel more alive and connected to the world around you than I think anything else in this life can provide. Um, so yeah, that was, gosh, that's what I wanted to impart with you about some of the places to go in Iceland. And first and foremost, most importantly, thank you so much for listening to episode one. I really hope you've enjoyed it. It's important to me to hear your feedback as long as it's respectful and comes from a place of kindness on how I can improve the show and and what you want to hear about. And most importantly, I want to hear about what's inspiring you presently. So get in touch and let's keep this conversation going. Every single week, you're going to be listening to me, Michelle Corey, as we dig at the roots on the Cultured Podcast. Have a great, inspiring week. Keep it classy, keep it curious, and keep it cultured. Cultured.